On the splash today, we'll tell you which horses are in the running to take out the Melbourne Cup and talk some Socceroos as well. It's Monday the 6th of November. Yeah, we wait with bated breath to find out if Timmy Cahill will take to the field in Honduras for the first leg of Australia's World Cup qualifier against Honduras this Saturday morning, Australian time. I'm your host, Phil Pryor. That to come on the splash uh, as we preview uh, the Socceroos week leading into the game with Adam Peacock joining us in a moment. Also joining the splash today is horse racing writer for Fox Sports, Trevor Marshall C., who has a couple of pieces on site for you today, right now, about the big race that stops the nation, of course, the Melbourne Cup. He joins the splash later on to tell us who he likes, who he doesn't like, and why, of course. So all his tips to come on the splash. But before we jump into that, I've got Adam Peacock, host of the Fox Football Podcast, hanging around. Adam, welcome to the splash. Hanging around, yeah, just... Just got nothing else better to do, but <laughs> then come and do a couple of pop podcasts. But no better thing to uh, come in and, and chat a bit of sport and a bit of football in particular. Hanging around in terms of you've just recorded the Fox <laughs> Football podcast, Correct. and yes. you're hanging around <laughs> to tell us. Well, yeah, first of all, what what were the big um, talking points on today's Fox Football podcast? Yeah, I had a good chat. I mean, as we sit here and. Rec- Called this. Uh, only four of the five games have happened in the A League. There's one on Monday evening between Melbourne Victory and Western Sydney Wanderers. So we actually got our teeth into it a bit about um, how good Sydney actually are and mm-hmm. and what uh, Brisbane need to do to turn things around. They've got a, a few problems at the moment. And then we got on to Socceroos. Big chat mm-hmm. about the Socceroos. So is the Ange Postacoglu um, situation going to affect the players? We chose our starting 11s. The Tim Cahill injury as well. Yeah. So it's myself, Garby and, and John Cosmina. And had a really interesting chat. It's worth a listen to John Cosmina talk about playing in a hostile environment. So the guys yeah. are going to Honduras. 40, 45,000 screaming Hondurans at them the whole time. And he's been in that situation. So to, to mm-hmm. hear that about um, what makes you as a player if you go through that situation you handle it well is was fascinating listening yeah Cosy joined of course Simon Hill he's probably on a plane right now he heading is, over yes. to America along with a couple of the Fox football producers and our own digital uh, lead Dave Wayner um, when do you get a trip like that Phil oh, I don't to be honest un- un- until we unless we can take the the podcast room uh, outside of the, the Fox v- HQ. You get these portable situations. I mean, surely you love your NFL. You've got the three-screen experience happening over at your workstation <laughs> there. Surely you could put your hand up for Super Bowl and just go over there and cover it, do a, do a podcast every day from over that there. That sounds amazing. Just plant the idea in your head. <laughs> Give it a go. Trying to work out, I, oh, where is it this year? I can't, I can't remember. Anyway, anyway, moving moving on. They're heading over to the States. They're obviously, you know, via the States heading to... Honduras. Uh, so is Timmy Cahill, but there are question marks over his fitness. What do we know? We know that the Socceroos medical staff um, don't take risks, unnecessary risks. They're the most professional bunch of people involved in sport, I reckon, or as professional as anyone in Australia, in any mm. club, any national team, anywhere in Australia. Yeah. Um, they are fantastic. So they wouldn't make this call. They wouldn't say, Timmy, get on a plane, if they knew that everything 
if they didn't know everything was okay. So I've got full trust in them. We have to trust them. And, and the fact that he's flying today means that, um, yeah, the, the ankle injury has obviously responded well to treatment. It's not torn ligaments. You can't play with torn ligaments. But yeah. probably a strain there and inflammatories, bit of tape, and he might uh, he might be right to come off the bench. But with Timoth, the big thing is that he's around the, the crew. Um, yeah, yeah, for he, sure. He's just such a positive. He's, he's a bundle of energy, as we know. I mean, you have mm. a look at his Instagram stories. He's always doing something. Yeah, he's never yeah. bored. The kid. So, yeah, um, call him a kid. He's thirty-seven, but you know what I mean. He's like a kid. He's got that much energy. So, um, to have him around is is really important in an environment like they're going into. And Mila Yedinax, the other the other one. Yeah. Uh, do you think he'll start? I think he will start. I think because of the lack of options that we've got in that particular area of the park with Mark Milligan being suspended for the first league and Jackson Irvine is not playing as regularly as he was, say, two months ago. Yeah. I think he's left with no choice but to play him. And it, the the style of game that it's going to be, I, th- I think it will be a, a not a fearsome battle, but it'll have a, a certain physical edge to it mm. that would be down the alley of uh, Milo Yedinak and, and might suit him to some degree. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if, if uh, for the listeners out there, if you've listened to some of the extra time podcasts on the Fox Football podcast in the last couple of weeks, uh, that'll give you a lot better idea of uh, the type of game style that uh, the Hondurans will be playing this Saturday, uh, Australian time, 9am uh, this Saturday morning. Um, but Adam, do you know anything about the week leading up to it now? How will the Socceroos go through their uh, paces heading into Saturday? What what uh, What's the prep- preparation look like? Yeah, they'll only have two, maybe three sessions uh, on the pitch. There'll be a lot of video work. There'll be a lot of just recovery work because these guys are coming off pretty hot games from wherever yeah. they are. Like, for instance, Aaron Moy, Matty Ryan played in winning Premier League teams on the weekend, which is good. Mass Luongo played in a team that got pumped 4-0. Um, there's guys coming from all parts of the world. Trent Sainsbury was playing in China on the weekend. He's got to get himself there. So it's with these camps, it's all about, and that's why they, they, they invest so much time and energy into the yeah. medical science side of things, or the sports science side of things, um, just to look after these guys when they get there. And um, yeah, they've got it's amazing setup. They they, they have uh, these two whole hotel rooms that they the, the the ones that join and they just set that up. It's yep. like walking into a medical center. Yeah, right. essentially, it's <laughs> it's amazing. It's um that they do such a good job and. That's all it's about. Just keep keep them ticking over. Tactically, they'll they'll know what to do because he's not going to change how he's going to play. So yeah. there's no new, brand new system. There's just little things that they would have picked up. And with the Socceroos as well, that they, they, they have scouts that have watched everything that Honduras have done. Um, I reckon they had someone in the stadium watching them live last time they played as well. They'll pick the bones out of that and it'll filter, filter, filter all the way down like a reduction uh, of a sauce that you're going to put on your meat that they'll they'll just filter it down and only give the, the absolutely relevant details and pass it on to the player. So a lot yep, of yep. preparation work goes into maybe a, a five or ten minute spiel about the opposition to your team. So mm. yeah, that that's what will go on um, in the hotel this week as well. And other than that, it's just chilling out, waiting for the game. Okay, and finally, do we know if there's a result uh, on Honduras's FIFA appeal to try and have some of their star players who were suspended for two yellow cards for this first leg uh, have they been upheld or yeah it's been it's a bit of a mystery it's a it's um, a, a liquid type of situation it's uh, Kate Cohen I just had a quick chat to her before I came in here she said that now our um, our yellow cards which okay say if um, one of our players got like Matt Yerman got a yellow card in this 
game, he'd be suspended for the next one. Mm-hmm. That's that's out now. That so they've okay. basically wiped the the slate clean here. But still, Milligan and Lecky, who picked up yellow cards in the Syria match, they miss this one still. So yeah, that that has been taken out of the equation. Thankfully, I think the FIFA have just come in and said well, we've got to make it fair for both sides. We yeah. can't have one side with eleven yellow cards hanging over their heads for the second leg, and the other one their slates clean. Yeah. I mean, what we're told is that the AFC had this rule, every confederation has this rule, you can wipe the slate clean once, and the AFC did that after our first stage before the second stage. So okay. that's why we had a few problems. But understand, it's it's everyone's on a playing, level playing field, which is great, and um, we can just worry about getting through the two legs, not being worried about, uh, or if he picks up a bad yellow card in the first leg, he'll miss a second and, and throw it into a bit of disarray. Yeah, nice. Well, thanks very much for your time, Adam. As I mentioned, uh, tune into the Fox Football Podcast, uh, which will be up uh, today, Monday, uh, sometime this afternoon. Uh, Thanks for joining the Splash. Cheers, Phil. Have a good one. And now uh, joining me on the Splash is Fox Sports racing writer Trevor Trevor Marshallsea, who's going to give us a full uh, preview of the Melbourne Cup. How are you, Trevor? Well, thanks, Phil. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks for joining the Splash. Uh, And let's turn to the big one. Uh, You've got a couple of pieces up on the Fox Sports website for us. uh, Why your horse can and can't win this year's big race uh, and best lead-up runs as well. We'll we'll save your tip for the end, perhaps, um, but what are some of the ones that... Uh, that stand out. Obviously, we've got our man, and um, you know, looking to defend, defend the crown from last year, and and quite a number of place getters in the in the field as well. Uh, yeah, that's right. The, the, the run that stands out that's got most people's tongues wagging was um, the run of Marmelo in the Caulfield Cup. Uh, interesting runner out of Europe, um, trained by Huey Morrison out of England, um, ridden by Huey Bowman on Tuesday, who's, of course, uh, Winx's jockey. Yeah. Um, Marmelo, interestingly, usefully, had a, has had a start in Australia. Uh, a lot of internationals still persist in coming here and not having a lead-up run, and they find it very hard to win a Melbourne Cup like that. No one's actually done it since Vintage Crop, the first international raider in 1993. Yeah, right. No one's been able to uh, take away the Melbourne Cup in that sort of hit-and-run style, but Marmelo had the lead-up run in the Caulfield Cup, and it was a beauty as well. It, um, he sat near the back of the field, and uh, it's 800 metres shorter than the Melbourne Cup. And in the home straight, he just uh, he took off and uh, yeah. came, came flying down the outside. And you think he's going to love the extra space of Flemington, the longest straight to get going, and that extra 800 metres as well. Um, so that was the that, that's been the real eye catcher, which has propelled Marmelo to the top of the betting markets. But also in that Caulfield Cup was a run of uh, Johan Vermeer, um, mm, yeah. Aidan O'Brien's uh, horse, who uh, also. Uh, Got home well for third place in the Caulfield Cup. Didn't have a lot of luck. Didn't have a space. Didn't have a lot of space. Sorry. Whereas Marmelo came down the outside. Johan Vermeer was bottled up behind runners, and he was blocked at a crucial stage, sort of between the 300 and the 200 meter mark, and couldn't really get his momentum going at that at that really important stage of the, of the home straight. Came flying home late when he did get space for third. Probably, you know, should have would have won the race with a bit bit better luck, but. Mm. There's a bit more of a doubt on him about the distance. You know, Marmelo yep. will get the distance. He's been over this any longer, but um, uh, Johan Vermeer hasn't yet. So until okay. you see him do it, you, you, you can't be that confident. 
What about Boom Time, the uh, the Caulfield winner? Yeah, this is poor old Boom Time. He's a funny old horse. He won the Caulfield Cup as a uh, despised ruffy, as we call them, and. Um, <laughs> He's probably going to be the longest-priced Caulfield Cup winner going into a Melbourne Cup. Usually, you know, it's a, it's a great lead-up run, and you, you know, if you win the Caulfield Cup, you think you've got the stuff to uh, do it, you know, to give it a good shake again on Tuesday. But he was fifty to one when he won the Caulfield Cup. Okay, so and uh, you never know, of course. Yeah, of course, and and Humidor, who uh, gave Winks uh, an almighty run for for her money uh, in uh, in the Cox Plate uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, is, is this a chance? Yeah, it's a definite chance. Um, again, there's a little bit of a distance query, um, and you you wonder were they uh, you know were they thinking he might. You know, he was really, you know, he was trying for his best on, on Cox Plate Day and you, you kind of wonder, was were they really pumping him up to, to do the un, to do the unbelievable there and, and yeah. actually upset Winks? And then you, so you wonder, you know, was that his grand final? But um, mm. he's, a, he's a class runner. There's a lot of horses in this race that, you know, you wonder about their class factor. You know, Humidor is a classy animal. You know, he does, he got that close to Winks. Speaking of class, the top weight, Hartnell, uh, do you give do you give it any any chance uh, this time? He's uh, gone off the ball a bit, Hartnell. Um, there's some there's, there's one line of thought that maybe they're just they've been bringing him along quietly and slowly and building him up to peak on Tuesday afternoon, and so he looks like his form's been a bit subpar for him, especially compared to last spring when he was uh, you know, when he was talked about as, as a good, very good chance to beat Winston Cox Plate. He didn't, obviously, but um, yeah. He looked a lot better last spring than he has this spring, so question marks over him. Okay, uh, and traditionally in the in this big race, there tends to be uh, you know a, a one at least a, one or two horses from the uh, you know the bottom of the list uh, carrying less weight. Uh, is there a standout out of that category this year that um, you know could surprise? There's a couple. There's a couple. When you when you go through the field, there's a lot of sort of murky water in the middle of the field as it were you've got horses like you know US Army Ranger or Big Duke or Wicklow Brave Galante you've got a lot of I don't know for want of a better word scrubbers in the middle of the field (laughs) then you get down lower in the weights and you start thinking oh here we go here we go it's just you know it does look like there's a year where there's lots of these lightweight chances uh, Thomas Hobson is is one that uh, personally I don't mind. He's trained by a, a very good, a very shrewd uh, Irish trainer in Willie Mullins, who's got three horses in the race this year. He, he, you know he can get the distance because in, in the space of four days at Royal Ascot in June, Thomas Hobson ran. Uh, he, he won a lower class race over four thousand metres, and then four days later he came out and. Went over the same trip again, even longer, four thousand four hundred meters, and oh. uh, got second in a in a good quality race wow. to uh, a horse called Oriental Fox. So you know he's going to get the trip, um, and you just think, gee, he's right down the bottom there with uh, with a very low weight, fifty two kilograms. The key, very interesting factor with him is uh, the Brazilian jockey who's based in Hong Kong, João Moreira, is coming out for the ride. Mm-hmm. Mister Magic, they call him. Um, yeah, he's been booked. He's been booked for the ride for a long time. They they, they got him lined up about you know, a couple of months ago, which shows okay. that they you know they're very very they're very keen on the chances. Uh, Wall of Fire just above him with fifty three kilos. He turned in a very eye catching effort uh, at his his only Australian lead up run at Caulfield. 
um, on October the 14th. The horse he ran second to, Lord Fandango, subsequently came out and ran well in the Caulfield Cup. A lot of people are fancying Wall of Fire. Nikita yeah. is a, another interesting one from the um, Scottish trainer, Ian Jardine. One last start at York in England, and uh, also low down is a horse called Rekindling that's uh, getting a little bit of attention later at the $11. But, um, yeah, a lot of people are liking his chances as well. Uh, Emily Starr is even less weight than him, 51 kilos. Ran well and won at Flemington a couple of starts back and then was unlucky in the Caulfield Cup. Uh, a lot of people fancy her as a lightweight chance as well. Okay. It's quite open. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Trevor, can you give us a, a, a couple of horses, maybe a little cheeky trifecta or something like that? <laughs> not, not with a lot of confidence, as usual. It's the, <laughs> uh, it's the greatest greatest race to watch and the hardest race to bet in. Yes. Oh, that's um, for sure. But I'm, a, uh, I'm one of the many people who's a Marmillo man. I think he's got that class factor. You know, he's going to get the trip. He did look in very good order on Caulfield Cup Day. And um, you just think everything's gone right in his preparation. The other thing is, as well, he's, he's drawn a bit wide in Barrier 16. Mm-hmm. But two things, he's got Hugh Bowman on his back, and uh, he's a genius. Secondly, he's going to pull him back towards the rear of the field anyway, rather than use up uh, fuel charging across early on to get a position near the front. So Huey will just uh, ease him back. And uh, should be uh, should be coming home well in the long straight yeah. at the finish. Um, Thomas Hobson, I fancy. Um, you just you just know he's got that toughness. If he's if he's run those two four kilometre races in the space of four days, you know you, you know he's got a bit of bottle, as they say. Yeah. And um, warming to uh, Max Dynamite. Actually, the more I look at his run in the Melbourne Cup two years ago, the more I think he should have won it that day. That was against um, Prince of Penzance, of course. Prince of Penzance, yes. He almost, uh, with a bit more luck, he didn't get out until quite late. And yeah. More luck, he would have, um, he would have uh, forestalled the entire uh, Michelle Payne fairy tale. Uh, I, I think he would have won if he, if he got out a bit sooner. And I think he's only had four starts since then, so okay. obviously he had, a, he had a couple of problems. But, you know, they do things differently over there as well. And, you know, he's only a lightly raced eight-year-old anyway. He's only had, uh, what, 23 starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you just... This is Willie Mullins again who trains him. He just... And, he, and what, unlike a lot of the horses you'd think were a decent chance in this race, Max Dynamite has at least drawn an inside barrier, barrier two. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, He may need a bit of luck from there again like he did two years ago and didn't get. So yeah. maybe yeah. he'll get a bit more. But I think, yeah, he's... Uh, he might have sneaked under the radar a bit. But we should kind of we should mention our Mandan as well, of course, uh, last yeah. year's winner, um, defending champion. A bit more weight on his back this week than he did last year, but uh, quality horse, and you know he can get the trip. So we're not ruling him out by any means. Yeah, great call, great call. As I mentioned off the top, uh, Trevor Marshall C has a couple of stories up on the Fox Sports website. Uh, best lead up runs and why your horse can and can't win this year's race. He's obviously broken a lot of that down uh, for you in the last 10 minutes. Uh, but uh, for all the details on every horse in the Melbourne Cup field, be sure to go and check that out. Also on the Fox Sports website, Peter Moody has a column up there, a guide to the Melbourne Cup. Uh, and then it, that's it's not it, uh, Trevor, as far as the, the Spring Carnival goes, because uh, things keep happening uh, later on in the week. Can you quickly run through that for us before we uh, wrap up? 
as big a day as Melbourne Cup is, it's uh, still only day two of the <laughs> Flemington, Flemington chapter of the Spring Carnival, which kicked off with Derby Day last Saturday. It's a marathon Cup week. <laughs> yeah, it's a big week for the socialites as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cup, Cup Day Tuesday, Oaks Day on Thursday for the three-year-old fillies. Aloysia looks to have a stranglehold on that race, a very classy three-year-old filly. Okay. Um, but uh, horse called Lover Lover uh, ran on um, Saturday and won and showed she'd be a uh, uh, a decent chance in the Oaks as well, and then uh, then into Saturday the Flemington Carnival wraps up with um, uh, the 2,000 metre stakes day, um, mm. which uh, is always a big day as well. So yes, it's all happening. I yeah, so. yeah, great. Uh, thank Trevor. We'll we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for for joining us on the splash and uh, and all the best with your with your tips uh, for Tuesday and the rest of the rest of the Spring Carnival. Okay. Cheers, Will. And that'll do us today. I hope that chat with Trevor will help everyone pick a Melbourne Cup winner. All the best, and we'll chat tomorrow. Until next time on The Splash, that's a wrap.